This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 297 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by TotalSaddleFit.com and by Mita Dewormers. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our trusty producer, Glenn. He's with us today. Hey, it's so good to be back again. Hi, no, hi, guys. <laughs> How are you? I am so excited. I get to meet Philip this weekend and I get to <laughs> hang out with Reese and everybody down in Wellington. We're all converging on Wellington. It's going to be a party and a half. And I still can't believe you guys have never met in person. I know. So I just want <laughs> Philip to like talk and then Glenn pick him out. <laughs> just use your voice. And... Yeah. Well, he knows what I look like. <laughs> See, that's the nice thing about Facebook. You do know what people look like now, right? True. Yeah. True. Not like years ago where you had no idea. Although <laughs> I still go to Rolex and I'm waiting in line at, uh, for food or something and I'm talking to some and I get people say, are you Glenn? Because they recognize my voice, so uh, I've had that happen to a couple horse shows too. To be honest, it's it, I'll get a funny look, and I'm like, "Hello, yes, I'm <laughs> Reese. Like, I'm Reese from the Horse Radio Network. That's pretty fun. That I, that happened to me one time last year, and I was so excited. So we're, I'm glad we have people that listen. Well, we're gonna <laughs> so. get to do all kinds of stuff. Tell us what we're doing this weekend, Reese. What yeah, you got planned? Well, what what I have planned <laughs> exactly? Yeah, um, it is going to be a big week. So uh, Glenn and Jennifer get in on Thursday. So we have the Vince Ramos Buck Off, uh, which is charity for the Vince Ramos um, uh, Therapeutic Riding Center. So we're doing that on Thursday. Probably some dinner, and then Glenn. It sounds like on Friday morning you're doing your first live ringside show. Yeah, well, we're doing horses Web. in the morning at WEF uh, ringside while we're watching the show go on. We're going to be doing horses in the morning. Emily Thompson of our jumping radio show is joining us for that. She set that all up, and we're we're kind of excited about that. That we've never done that before. So I know that's fantastic. And then Friday night is the big five star dressage show. That's actually they jog today. Today's Tuesday. Uh, we're recording a little bit early, um, and uh, because Glenn is traveling. Uh, so, yep. And then Philip gets in on Saturday morning and Sunday night we're doing jumping. Uh, Emily, it sounds like got us some good tickets for that. And then on Sunday, I think there is a Grand Prix jumping class and also there's polo. Polo. So it it is going to (laughs) be, I think I'm going to be exhausted by Sunday We got to stomp some divots. Yes, I think I'm going to be exhausted by <laughs> Sunday night. Awesome. I need to take a little nap or something. My goodness, we're going to have quite quite the time. You notice so. I didn't mention the drinking before stomping. You notice I didn't mention that. <laughs> during, no, no. Usually, yeah. yes, I think they go together, it. right? Yes. That, it's yeah. going to be such a great weekend. Like, I can't wait. And Philip and Meredith, uh, and Meredith is coming, and she's always wonderful to hang out with. So uh, we're going to have a big time. And Philip, you stay for a week, don't you? The whole crew. I think uh, maybe five days. I'm going to be sick of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ha. 
Just kidding. So we're yeah. going to work some horses. I'm going to put yeah. Philip to work a little bit. And yeah. so it should be a really, really, really good time. So we're all looking forward to a fantastic weekend. And we have the five-star coming up. Um, like I said, they jog today. Uh, the Pre-St. George is Wednesday. And the Grand Prix is Thursday. So uh, I think our crew... Is all is all the freestyles on Friday? Like, will there be I one freestyles as well, or you know, I mean, it's gonna I'm be really, such a huge show. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't bring my list to um to the computer. It's actually in the barn hanging up. So I don't know, but we'll be able to tell everybody exactly how everybody's doing, and uh, should be a really good week. This is this is the big daddy, so it's everyone's coming <laughs> in. Should be a really 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 fun week, and I know Stefan Peters is here. I know Paragon is going, Shelly Francis is going, um, so it should be a phenomenal uh, start list, so it'll be, it'll be fun. So Friday night, Glenn, you're going to see some really good dressage, so I'm excited to show you that. I'm actually cheer, excited cheer to Canadians. watch dressage. Yeah, uh, cheer on whoa. the Canadians, by the way. Well, you know, five-star dressage is a little different than watching training levels. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, the real thing. Yeah. I'm very excited. I actually liked watching dressage at the World Equestrian Games when I was there. So. It will be very similar. It will be very similar to that. So it'll be a lot of fun and uh, definitely some uh, partying going on for sure on Friday night. So Yay. big, big weekend starting and um, we'll have all the news from the Five Star uh, next week. So that's the plan. So Cool. Well, we got a good show on tonight. We do. And we have just a little bit of news. We didn't, we didn't cram full. We have actually a really jam-packed show. Uh, so which will be fun, but with just a little bit of news, and it's sad. Metallic, uh, the great gelding who Ann Gribbins trained and rode to the Pan Am Games, silver medalist. He was ridden by Robert Dover, uh, also Gunter Sedell, uh, died at the age of 31 in northern Florida this week. So wonderful horse for the United States. So sad yeah, news. Very, very important mm-hmm. horse for the United States. And 31, that's a, that's a good ripe old age for a horse to live. Mm-hmm. So, um, but sad nevertheless. Absolutely. Well, uh, on the show tonight, we have a great show. We have Doree Stenos. Uh, she, I met her last week or two weeks ago. She came in for the USDF Trainers Conference uh, from California, and we never give California love. So I asked her to come on the show and give us her story and her impression of her trip to Wellington. And then we have um, a young lady from Otterbein University, who's going to come on and talk about the IDA. Uh, and Philip gives great insight because he did that for seven years, right, Philip? Yeah, I was, a, I was an IDA coach for seven years, so we know all about it. That'll and, be fair. Uh, I think it's, I mean, it, it would be nice for the, you know, for the collegiate um, system to, to get some love because, uh, you know, those girls are in school and then mostly girls, I guess, I guess not 100%, but... I'd say it'd be about 99%. But, you know, they're working hard in school and they're also pursuing um, their riding interests. And I think it's, uh, it's a really great program. And so she's going to come on and talk about the Nationals will be coming up in, uh, in April, I guess. Absolutely. And, and then we have our, our TotalSaddleFit.com yes. uh, trainer tip. Uh, or it's not a trainer tip this week. It's a saddle fit tip this week. Um, Justin's going to come on and, and talk to us a little bit about uh, some saddle fitting stuff. And... Uh, and there we go. That's our show. And we, yeah, uh, we have a health segment coming up, too, talking about deworming. So uh, that, that's also going to be tonight. Oh, my goodness. we got a lot today to get well, to. we got so. a big show. Well, right after our health segment, we are going to come on with Doree Stan- Stanos about her mare that she brought to Wellington a few weeks ago.
Well, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I have Dr. Ellison with us, and he is a Director of Technical Services with Bimedia Incorporated. And, well, hello, Dr. Ellison. Good afternoon, Glenn. Thank you so much for joining us. And first, on this first interview, we're good. this is a series of four that we're doing over the next couple of months with you guys. And I want to thank you, number one, for becoming a sponsor. We appreciate your support of the Horse Radio Network. Thank you so much for that. Very welcome. welcome. Welcome to the family. Thank you. I'm very excited about this because we've, we haven't we have delved into dewormers a whole lot and the whole the whole aspect of deworming. We haven't gotten into it a whole lot on, a, on many of the shows, so I'm looking forward to it, and I hope it, uh, the, the knowledge that we impart here can help everybody. Of course, if we have horses, it's something that we all have to think about. And, and uh, I know Jennifer and I use Vimeda as, uh, as our dewormers. We just dewormed uh, our horses this week, as a matter of fact. Perfect. Well, tell us a little bit about Bimedia and who they are, and because there's a lot of different wormers out there. So let let's find out a little bit about the company first. Well, Bimedia is a company is a company based in in Dublin, Ireland, uh, with marketing in approximately eighty countries. So they are worldwide. Uh, we have a very broad line of equine dewormers, um, which can cover basically all the needs that any horse owner would have. So how many dewormers are there? When somebody goes into the, to the tack shop and you look at that, especially if you don't, you know, if you, you haven't been around horses your whole life, you're new into horses, and you look at that rack of dewormers, it's a little, you know, it's like trying to guess what you need. Well, it certainly can be confusing. And, you know, basically there's, there's going to be uh, three groups of dewormers that people are going to see on the shelf in the tack shops and the veterinary clinics that they go to. Uh, and then a fourth group that's a combination, um, uh, what we call the, like to refer to as the big gun anti-parasiticals. Uh, anti, uh, uh, the first group would be macrocyclic lactones, and that would include ivermectin and moxida. The second group would be the pyrimidines, which is pyrantel. And then the third group would be the benzimidazoles, which most people would know as fenbendazole. Then there's that combination group, which is the macrocyclic lactones, either ivermectin or moxidectin, along with a compound called proziquantel, which is used to control tapeworms. So you end up basically with four different classes of dewormers. Well, that leads to the next question is, uh, and I hope we're going to cover this over the ne- uh, next uh, several of months in the interviews and everything, is what, what, how do you know where to start? Well, you know, uh, it's a great question, Um, and really what I always tell people is your veterinarian knows better than anyone what is the best parasite control program for you. It's going to vary greatly based on where you live, the climate that you have, the number of horses that you have, how big or small your pasture is, uh, parasite load, um, what program your horses have been exposed to from a dewormer standpoint uh, previously. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's not overly complicated, but it's not overly simplistic either. So, uh, you know, a good relationship with an equine veterinarian is, is essential uh, in, in constructing a good dewormer program. 
And we're going to talk in future uh, chats that we have about fecal testing and and the different types of parasites and things like that. But I thought today I really wanted to find out, a, a, you know, kind of an overview of who you guys were. And also I wanted to talk a little bit about natural dewormers versus FDA-approved dewormers. You know, Glenn, that's a great, great question. And uh, it's a question that we get often uh, from a technical service standpoint. You know, the FDA-approved dewormers are held to a very high standard. They have to show efficacy or the ability to do their job properly. And also, they have to be safe, and those, that safety testing is, is very, very important. Um, contrary to that, the natural or, you know, an example would be like diatomaceous earth as an example. Dewormers really, um, and if you talk to the leading parasitologists across the country, they will tell you, those products really just have never shown true efficacy against the major equine parasites. Well, Dr. Ellison, we are going to continue with a series of conversations about dewormers, but if people want to find out where to go right now to learn more, they can do it at bymediaequine.com. That's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. There's all kinds of great links. First of all, it talks all about the different products you have, but there's also deworming plans and information on parasites and all kinds of things on that website. That's absolutely right, and that's a a great place to get uh, very pertinent and uh, helpful information. section in there with Dr. Ellefson answers questions as well, and it's called Did You Know by Dr. Dave. So you can click on that button, and you can find all kinds of questions and answers in that section. We'll talk to you again next month. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Look forward to it. By MetaEquine.com. Well, it is my pleasure this evening to introduce Doree Sturgis. She is an adult amateur rider, but a phenomenal Grand Prix rider uh, from California. And I met her here in Wellington a couple weeks ago. She brought her wonderful mare to the trainers conference with Stephen Clark. And I asked her to come on the show. So Doree, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you are just the most impressive lady I have met in a very long time. Uh, You not only are a wonderful rider and have a wonderful horse, but you're a mom of five kiddos. Yes, I am. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. I have to say the horses are more demanding. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love it. Well, tell us. Let's start with your horses. Tell us about your mare that you brought. She is phenomenal. Um, in, uh, let's see, two, early two, early 2010, I believe, I can't think that far back at this point. Um, I, I went on a tour in Germany and, um, uh, where I bought, I have 13 horses, but she's my youngest and, um, did a, a full tour and wound up, um, choosing, um, a five-year-old, uh, Hohenstein gelding. And, but I had uh, already ridden her and just thought, you know, there was something so amazing about her hind end and her temperament. And really, when I choose my horses, the horses, I believe they choose me. I really, the eye is the first thing that I look at. And then I look at, you know, if they have three solid gates, um, if they don't, I would prefer the walk in the canner. But I kind of look at the overall picture and get a feeling from them. And I really got a special feeling from her. Um, but she had such an, such an, Oh, sorry. She had such an amazing movement to her. I thought, you know, as an adult amateur, 
I'm going to ruin that because um, I did my first show in November of 2005. And I just thought, you know, I'm just not, I'm not a professional. And um, my husband flew out and looked at her and he said, you're not going to ruin her. You're, you're getting this one. And uh, my husband was a Grand Prix uh, dressage rider. He's the one that got me into this. And um, so I wound up uh, bringing her to California and just from, you know, the beginning, just walk, trot, canter, fun, fun, fun. And um, she's literally the sweetest horse I've ever met in my life and will just come in the front door of the house if you open the doors. And so that's, you know, we just slowly been working with Lilo and um, she's really flourished uh, this last year. So that's the history of Miss Saremba. <laughs> oh, well, tell us a little bit about how you got a start into riding and how you can continue, you know, after... After you were a kid, basically, basically, because most most people, you know, as teenagers, you know, their life takes over and and they get out of writing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Well, my journey was, uh, I think, when I was in preschool, the the in Montessori school, two years old. Um, the teachers would call my mother and say, "You're going to have to get this child some gloves and some knee pads because she's running around in the cement on her hands and knees, pretending to be a horse." So I think I really was born with the bug, the horse bug, from day one. Um, and then when I was around seven years old, um, I had taken two horseback riding lessons and um, had uh, gone to an ice skating birthday party and um, liked both of them a lot. But, you know, horses, that was, the, that was the first thing. That was my love. And I think somewhere along the lines, my mother... Um, sort of pushed me towards ice skating, which I absolutely, you know, loved and became a gold, uh, gold test skater, international, third the nation. And, um, I really loved it. Um, unfortunately, I think my mother's, um, passion sort of, um, ate my passion of, of, away, so to speak, sort of the stage mother, um, story. So I went to UC Davis. I, got out of it right before the um, 88 Olympics in Calgary and um, went to UC Davis pre-vet and switched over to law, kind of didn't, you know, kind of meandered through life, not really knowing what I wanted to do at that age. And then um, I got a trail horse uh, after my second child was born and was just kind of doing natural horsemanship and trying to be safe around horses, understand horse psychology. And, um, then I met um, my, this is Jerry, is my second husband. Um, in September of 2001, he was on this gorgeous warm blood. And um, we started dating and, you know, got married. And then when uh, our last child was born in May of 2005, he bought me a Grand Prix schoolmaster and said, uh, get on. I've signed you up for lessons with Mella Van Bruggen who was coming to Petaluma every three months at that time, who my husband trained with for years. And he said, get out and just ride around on this horse and let me see what you can do. So I got on Gordy Garrido was his name. And, um, he was really, I think he was 15 or 16 and he was really, seemed really stiff to me, but you know, what did I know? And I went out in the middle of arena and picked up a canner, my favorite gate and did a canter pirouette and I rode back over to my husband, and I, he said, uh, I think this is going to be the sport for you. 
It's just as technical as compulsory figures and ice skating, yet you still have the power and the freestyle occur ultimately when you get to the, the upper levels. And I think you should you could go for it. And I just thought, you know, what a dream come true from being a two-year-old running around on my hands and knees, bloody, to, you know, trail riding, to now actually having a focus. And and my husband being so supportive and, um, you know, going, taking me to Germany and buying these babies and bringing them here and, you know, training them up and under his watchful eye, of course, and Lilo's. Um, so that's how it really got started. It took a long time. I wish I had been, um, you know, more like an Anki van Grunzen or, you know, most half of Germany where, you know, they get out of school early <laughs> to ride, but that wasn't my path. And I think that um, looking back on everything, I don't think that I would have had the patience as a teenager or even in my 20s to to do what I do now. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased now, I just turned 46, that I'm finally learning patience and that maybe this sport and, and myself, we we might gel a little here, so... Oh, I think you're definitely gelling uh, for sure. You guys made a splash in Wellington. So tell us about, I mean, that was your first plane travel. And what did you think of Wellington and sort of the whole scene down here? Oh, I, I, I was overwhelmed. You know, it was, um, it's like the first time I took my Grand Prix course, uh, Johnny, down to L.A. I, they said, you know, you qualified for, you know, Region 7. And why don't you go to L.A. and ride? And I said, well, okay, I'm going to go. And I took one of my best friends and loaded my horse up and went down and had the time of my life. I, I had that same kind of anxiety. I thought, all right, well, if I fly with, with my horse, since we have that, um, that trust and that communication and I'm there for her, I'm not worried about her in, in transit or anything like that. But I think, I think being on the West Coast, I don't know, it's kind of like the rappers. There's an East Coast, West Coast thing. And it's, it's, you know, it's like it's true, the Crips yeah. of the Bloods. You know, I don't know. I just, I didn't know if I should show up and, you know, show a gang sign, like, or what. I'm representing, the, you know, the West Coast. But it was, the West it was Coast. Inter- <laughs> you I love know. it. Yeah, I'm representing and um, D-Ray. Everyone, when they announce me, they call me D-Ray Sturgoyce. So I figure I'm already <laughs> part part rapper. Um, <laughs> that's, but that's um, it, I, I was definitely overwhelmed and had a little anxiety. Um, I, uh, Carol Lavelle, um, Catherine Roberts had set me up to stay at, at Carol Lavelle's. And um, uh, Dr. Joy Baker, who I guess stays at her place half the year from North Carolina. And so they were really warm and um, really inviting and super, I mean, just really supportive. And I have to say when I showed up and my jaw dropped, you know, you hear, I stay away from politics after being an ice skater, of course. Um, (laughs) And I just, I ride at home here and um, I don't get it. I don't really get into that. I just really stay focused and I tend to um, find the good people, you know, and sort of magnet my way towards them. But um, I was felt very, very welcomed by um, the whole process, I have to say. And there were people showing up at Carol Lavelle's barn and introducing themselves. And um, I think one of them was Michael Poulin's daughter. Um, I forget her first name and I apologize profusely. Kate, probably Kate, Kate or Gwen. Kate or Gwen. Gwen. 
It was Gwen. Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, but everybody was just so nice. So all of that sort of that anxiety and that um, that, that that you kind of hear that white noise, you know, that you don't want to hear, was really diffused, really diffused. And I I just I had the time of my life. The entire process, flying, meeting everybody, the ride, Stephen Clark. Um, I have to say, I've been back since the twenty, the evening of the twenty second of January, and I'm, I'm still just, my heart is so full. That sounds like, you know, is this thing on? It was a magical journey. No, it was really awesome. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. I, it, I was, well, it was, you, you know, know, yeah. Maybe training wise, tell us something that you've taken home from the, from specifically from the Stephen Clark uh, symposium. Oh, there isn't one thing. And again, I'm still processing everything. He is a, a spinning image of Lilo. Um, it, but I think um, sometimes someone can say the same thing over and over again, and another, a different person can walk up and say it in a different way. And your light bulb, you know, the gerbil gets on the wheel. And you go, oh. And I had to turn to Lilo a couple times and say, he just said that. That's like you saying this when we were watching the other riders. And she said, absolutely. Um, I think with Stephen Clark, the, um, I'm such a competitor and impatient, and the combination of Lilo and myself, um, we're like um, um, fire and gasoline sometimes. <laughs> and we kind of, you know, I'm German and Swedish, and she's obviously German, and when we get, you know, the fist on our jugular, we lean into it and, you know, yavol, we're going to do this. The one um, sort of bigger picture that I really appreciated um, as well as I've really, I brought home in my, my day-to-day process is um, uh, a sympathy that he carried through each uh, ride, a sympathy in the sense of um, she's getting a little, because she's, you know, my horse is an overachiever. Um, and she's starting that anxious breathing and, and she's starting to grind her teeth and um, working her to a point where you don't lose the mind and the body and respecting that where you are with the horse and that tomorrow is another day and you don't have to win the Olympics today. Um, and, you know, that that's just me personally. That's sort of... Um, I, like I said, impatient, you know, chomping at the bit kind of personality. I, I think that that was the one thing is to hear. I can hear that from Lilo, and she's always trying to rein me back. Uh, but to hear it from Stephen Clark in his tone of voice, very forgiving, kind, very, very funny um, personality that he has and uh, in putting the horse first. And tomorrow is another day, and we have to thank our horses for coming to this point and doing two steps of half steps or one flying lead chase, whatever it is in your training process, that's the one thing. He sort of threw a wet blanket over me, but it was healthy for me as a rider. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very good. Very that's a good, good point. I love it. Yeah. Well, Jerry, tell us a little bit, how do you balance your horses and five children? I mean, I, that that's like, I don't even have one, so I can't even comprehend <laughs> that at all. Um, it is a balance. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have um, my 
husband who we have a hundred acre equestrian facility here in Northern California and we, we call it the reservation. I literally never drive off the property unless it, I'm taking kids, you know, to school or orthodontic appointments, things like that. Um, but he stays home and, um, and works. And so we, we balance out, um, I have a schedule with the horses. I clean all my own stalls. I do all my own ranch work and, um, I have my daughter who's 18, who's a Grand Prix jumper. So she's in college close by here. So she helps. But as far as, um, balancing them with the kids, um, some days it's very difficult, but we have, we have a schedule and everybody knows, you know, everybody has their, um, um, chores that they do. Um, and as long as, um, everybody abides by the rules and expectations of the household. Um, it, it, it kind of balances itself out. You know, I have always told my friends that have one child, if, if you have, they're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have a second child. And I always say, Oh honey, if you have one, you have two. If you have one, you have five, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a rhythm, you know? Um, and they all take care of one another as well. You know, they're, um, they're really three, almost three sets of kids. One is out of the home. The next two are 17 and 18. And then the little girls are nine and 10, not even a year apart. So we have like, we have mini basketball teams that support one each one, you know, each (laughs) other all day long. So, um, yeah, it's a household of love and respect and, and hard work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the show. We would love to stay in touch and see how your mare develops and and your travels with her. And it was great to meet you. You're really an inspiration for all of us riders. And you're just as warm and kind in person as you are in the radio. So thank you so much. And if we have anybody that's in Northern California, how would they get in touch with you? Oh, they can call us uh, directly at area code 707 seven eight two zero nine two nine or they can contact me through the California Dressage Society. They have my email which is really long and involved and I won't bore you all with it right now. But call me directly anytime. I'm here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well fantastic. Thanks so much for your time and we look forward to keeping in touch with you. Likewise. Thank you guys. Hello. Robin Donahue here, and I'm an official HRN auditor. I love the programming that the Horse Radio Network offers and have chosen to support them through a monthly contribution. If you enjoy listening to any of the Horse Radio Network shows, won't you join us as a member of the HRN auditor family? You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the HRN auditor banner. And don't forget, as an auditor, we get the blooper reel. Well, tonight we have Rebecca Knopf from Otterbein University, the school that will be hosting the IDA Nationals this year. How are you, Rebecca? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Great. Well, uh, first of all, we should uh, explain to all of our listeners about um, the Intercollegiate Dressage Association, which is what IDA is. Maybe you can give us a quick rundown. We've done a couple of interviews about it before, but we just need a reminder. Okay. um, So the Intercollegiate Dressage Association, or IDA, is a college program for uh, 
student riders to compete in an affordable way um, to compete in the sport of dressage. And basically, there can be any number of students on a team, but for a team to show, you need about four people. Um, there's four levels. You have your first level rider, your upper level rider, lower training, and intro level, So, which is walk trot. Um, and the students then compete on unfamiliar horses. They get 10 minutes to warm up, and then they go into the arena and ride their test and are scored, and then um, they compete against other, uh, other schools in their region. So 10 minutes, that's really difficult. I'm just, yes. I mean, that's not easy to be able to get on a strange horse 10 minutes and go ride a first level test. That's, that's pretty, pretty hard. How is, what's some strategies that you guys use or, or work on to be able to do that? Um, well, something that one of my coaches told me, uh, Carrie, my, one of the coaches here, she just tells you every single time, ride the horse you're on at that minute. Don't try to fix anything. Just ride the horse that you were sitting on in that 10 minutes. So if your horse is tense, try to make them more relaxed. If your horse is lazy, get them going forward. Um, it's not a lot of time. Like you said, it's only 10 minutes. So we work on things that are, will show up in our tests. We work on halts. We work on stretchy circle and transitions mostly, um, depending on what test. I am in lower and upper training right now, or transitioning into upper training. So um, we'll be working on the shallow loop or serpentine and things. Yeah, those yeah, are the I big mean, daddies. Yeah, those are yeah, the big, the big yeah. scores. <laughs> yeah, I remember, um, I don't know if our listeners remember, but uh, I coached an IDA team for seven years. So uh, I, I'm pretty experienced in this whole situation. And sometimes you get a, you know, sometimes you get a great horse that's really, you can really click with that is, would be maybe your type of horse if you like a really forward horse. Every once in a while you, you get that, but for the most part, it's uh, it's not very long to really try and figure out, you know, what's going on. How is the horse, rid- you know, normally ridden, and how is it trained, and how are you going to make it go through a dressage test? So, um, you know, kudos to all those riders on those collegiate teams who who can kind of do that really well and and figure it out. And along with that, um, sometimes horses can be used for uh, like. Two horses can be used for either lower or upper training. So if one of them is a little bit hotter, one of them is a little bit lazier, uh, I know my team will sometimes switch horses around in the levels depending on what rider was best suited for that horse. Oh, that's yeah, super. I think that's all, all yeah. part of the strategy of it, mm-hmm. right? You know, trying to, to, to match horses with people the best that you can. Exactly. So tell us about the IDA Nationals. What's coming to Otterbein College? Um, Audubon University is hosting the IDA 2015 Nationals. It is the national championship for all of the, um, the colleges that have uh, qualified. And it's April 25th and 26th of this year. So it's coming up. And um, basically it's a two-day competition. The first day is the individual competition. So students who have been the champion of their level in their region will come and compete against 12 other riders, or 11 other riders, there's 12 in each level um, at the national championship. And whoever is the national champion of their level, they, you know, get beautiful big ribbons and some spectacular prizes. Um, And then on Sunday is the team championship, and the teams that have 
uh, been champions of their region come and their team shows. So they have four riders, like I was saying, and um, each of the riders will place in their level. And then according to their placing, they get a certain amount of points. Um, and then the points add up to, you know, you might not win every single level, but you might have, you know, three second places and a fourth place. And um, that might end up making your team the champion because you got the most points. So Rebecca, is this something that's uh, that uh, any high school age student that's interested in, in IDA, would this be a good event to kind of attend? And can that uh, happen? Yes, they can. Yeah, we encourage spectators to come. We're going to have a lot of fun things. Um, we're going to have a few vendors, not too many, but just a few, and some food trucks. And there will be com- competition all day long, along with some great opening. We're going to have the school uh, acapella group coming to sing national anthem and to perform another song. Um, so it should be really fun. It's going to be a fun event. There will be lots of students in attendance. There should be about 100 students from across the country showing over the weekend along with their parents, coaches, and other support systems that they might have um, and bring out. Um, so students who are in high school can definitely come and check it out. It, it, we're in Westerville, Ohio, so if you're in the area, you should definitely try and come by and see it. Now, ha- have your teams from your region uh, qualified yet? Do you know which teams are going to be going? We don't know what teams from our region yet, but I do know that the Cal Poly team um, in Region U on the West Coast has qualified for ID Nationals. So they will be making the flight out to Ohio come April. So congratulations to Cal Poly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, does Otterbein, I know like some, some of the schools have riding programs within the school and some of the schools have riding programs that would be kind of extracurricular so does Otterbein have a riding program, and are, are you, do you have the horses there to be able to host uh, the competition? Yeah, so we actually have three riding teams um, that are extracurricular riding teams um, associated with Otterbein University. We have a Hunt Seat IHSA team, Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, and we have the IDA team, and we have an eventing team. And our university actually owns a barn um, the Austin E. Knowlton Center for Equine Science, and we own 30 of our own horses. So we'll be using a lot of our own horses, and then um, a couple of the trainer or instructors in the area will um, be, you know, lending us their horses as well, some trainers and stuff. Awesome! That awesome! Fantastic! Yeah. Yeah. So Rebecca, thank you for joining us on the Dressage Radio Show today to to help us uh, understand about IDA and about the Nationals coming to Ohio. That sounds great. Good luck to good luck to everyone who goes. Great. Thank you so much. Now, if people want to know more about IDA or about uh, the program at Otterbein, how do they contact you or, or someone? Um, well, Carrie Briggs, who is the uh, barn director, she is probably the best person to contact. And her email is k briggs b-r-i-g-g-s at otterbein.edu and otterbein is spelled o-t-t-e-r-b-e-i-n or you can also visit the ida uh, website which is www.teamdressage.com and that explains a lot more about ida and there's a tab about nationals where you can get more information great thank you again
thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you guys. Well, that was great. I liked hearing about the IDA, and, and I think you're right, Philip. We don't give uh, the college program enough um, love, so it's, it's fun to hear about the Nationals, and we wish them luck, and uh, we hope that somebody, some uh, high school students are able to kind of go and see and, and see what it's all about. It's a really cool program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, if you're thinking of colleges and, and you're a rider, that's, that's a great way. You know, not any, hardly anyone can take a horse and do college at the same time, but it's a great way just to get into riding, you know, and doing school at the same time. I think for a lot of students, it's kind of stress relief, you know, to get out of, uh, sure. get out of the books for an hour a week or whatever and just, you know, go for a ride and learn, you know, learn some stuff and, and have a good time. So absolutely recommend it. Yeah. Recommend it to all the students. Super. Well, our next one is a favorite. It is Justin from Total Saddle Fit. He is going to do our Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, and uh, we hope you enjoy. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Once again, Justin from Total Saddle Fit is here to help us out with saddle fitting questions of all sorts. We're having a little contest amongst the listeners on the Dressage Radio Show, and they are very enthusiastically sending lots and lots of questions to Reese at HorseRadioNetwork.com and Philip at HorseRadioNetwork.com. And today's question is actually the second part of Kelly's. Uh, we did one a little while ago from Kelly about uh, knowing when it's time to call a saddle fitter back uh, and bef- before things get to be really bad, call them in when things are just small problems. And uh, sorry, Kelly, you only get one entry, even though you have two questions. <laughs> um, this one is about girths, shape, and shaped girths. And we thought, well, no one more qualified to answer this question than you are, Justin. So Kelly writes, another question relates to shaped girths. I was told by an apprentice saddler to avoid shaped girths because they unevenly distribute pressure, thus causing strong pressure points. As a manufacturer of shaped girths, can you give us your perspective on this statement? Thanks for sharing your insights. It is much appreciated. So go for it, Justin. All right. Well, you know, I think the first thing to look at when you're considering any kind of girth is what do you want out of it? You know, what's, what's your need in a girth? You just need something to attach a shaft saddle to a horse because if that's the case and everything else is perfectly fine, then maybe you don't need a shaped girth at all. Um, and, you know, the, if, you, if you decide you need some kind of benefit out of a girth um, beyond just attaching your saddle to the horse, there's, there's kind of two ways that shaped girths can, um, can help. And the first and most common one that you'll see, which is the vast majority of all the other um, all the other, all the manufacturers out there is they call you know it's called anatomical contoured shaped whatever word you want to use they're more or less used synonymously and um, they're they're designed with a cutback around the elbow so most of the ones you see out there they kind of, they kind of look really squiggly um, like like a like a windy road or something and I like what that they squiggly is, yeah it's a good term <laughs> very descriptive you know I, I'm trying to be as high tech as possible with my terminology here. And um, what they do is they, they have cutbacks around the elbows. So when the girth attaches, if your horse, um, may, you know, if, if, the, if a regular straight girth is kind of coming up, interfering with the elbow, one of these contour girths will help that. Um, and that, that's where the majority of their benefit comes from. 
Now, if you wanted, so if, if your need was just, you know, elbow clearance, uh, you, know, com- you know, comfort around the elbow, that kind of, you know, squiggly girth, if you want to call it, that would be your best bet. Now, um, where we come at it from, our, our, our standpoint at Total Saddle Fit, making the shoulder relief girth, is we come from a saddle fitting standpoint. So ours is designed a little bit differently in that it has a offset which is deeper. So the center of the girth is more offset than the sides of the girth compared to other brands out there. And that actually has the biggest effect on saddle fit. It moves the saddle away from the horse's shoulder because it actually straightens out the billet line of the saddle or redirects it, if you want to call it that. Either way, it brings the billet line of the saddle back, more per- perpendicular to the ground, and gives the horse shoulder freedom to move. So those are the main differences. And the most important thing is just making sure, you know, you know what you, know what you need in buying the girth, you know, just buying something for the sake of it doesn't necessarily make sense unless there's an objective there. And, um, what, you know, we, we've done the shoulder relief girth just because we found that so, so many people put saddles too far forward or saddles tend to shift up into the horse's shoulder. So had a lot of, there's been a lot of benefits with that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, you know, again, like I said, people, oh, go ahead. It's just not a case of I'm going to get a shaped girth because it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Or not. You, no, you have no, you a specific should, issue that you're trying to deal with. You, you, should, you should have a reason that you're getting it. Other, yeah, otherwise, it may just not be necessary. You know, um, We found that a lot of horses can use it just because so many saddles sit up against the shoulders. But, um, but yeah, not necessary for, for every single rider out there, that's for sure. So for folks who may not be familiar with um, telltale signs of girths that don't fit, let me see if I'm on the right page here. If you've been using the same girth for quite some time and it's well broken in and well loved, but it is developing a squishy, wrinkly section right about where the horse's elbows are, where it looks like somebody took a rubber band and wrapped it around it lengthwise and it's all wrinkled like the top of a bread bag. That indicates that the girth is pushing up towards the horse's elbows and the elbow rib cage area is actually smashing the girth narrower. Is that, is that kind of a good description or am I on the wrong page? I that, no, I think that's a great description. That would be, that would be a sign. I mean, a lot of times you can just walk next to your horse and see the way that the elbows make contact with the girth. And that would be another, that would be another way to look at it. Um, one thing I, I will mention as well, as far as girth fit goes, we have found a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot, but uh, enough to mention it, that, uh, there's a there's a lot of girths that are too short for the saddles they're being used on, um, oh. you know. And just the, the best rule of thumb with that, and um, and making sure the girth is fitting right, is 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 to make sure the buckles aren't right there at elbow, aren't level with the elbow, you know, because you you could potentially not only have the horse's elbow run into the leather or the material the girth's made out of, but metal, which we obviously don't want that. So. Keeping airing on the longer side is generally a good rule of thumb. It'll bring the buckles up away from the elbow, and it will uh, it will avoid the chance that the edge of a girth would rest on rest in the middle of the horse's pectoral muscles. If you keep those edges far enough or high enough up, you uh, you just avoid a couple of those little pitfalls that might come up. Oh, a good point indeed. Because you're right. If the it's one thing for the horse's elbow to come in contact with the material of the girth and cause a little bit of it to, to kind of squish in, which could be uncomfortable. But if they're making contact with metal buckles, I can pretty much guarantee your horse is going to be unhappy about that girth. No doubt. I would be unhappy if, if I had a, 
you know, metal bumping into my elbow every time I tried to move my arm. Yeah, that that's liable to make somebody grumpy. Well, thank you very much, Justin, for answering Kelly's question part two, and we'll be seeing you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. One of the most common and dangerous saddle fit concerns is the restriction of the shoulder's freedom to move. Some saddles slide over the shoulder blade while riding, some permanently rest on the top of the shoulders, and some pinch behind the shoulders, which inhibits full movement and leads to soreness and poor conformation. Short of buying an entirely new saddle, what can you do to give your horse the comfort to freely move his shoulders and perform at his highest potential? The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. An added bonus to the shoulder relief girth's unique design is the elbow comfort feature. The recessed ends designed for saddle fit now relieve pressure for elbow comfort as well. Similar girths can be purchased for over $275. But thanks to the enormous popularity of the shoulder relief girth, we are able to offer them for only $124.95. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. Well, what a great show. That was a lot of information. We hope everybody enjoys it. And as always, keep your emails and Facebook shout outs coming. We love them and we will get to them as soon as we can. Um, and you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for the Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and have a great week. <laughs>